0: in first Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 the Apostle Paul said for you were bought at a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's there's much discussion in the religious world today regarding the question what is God's purpose for my life but God's purpose for your life is the exact same thing as his purpose for my life And that is to serve Him with every fiber of our being within the roles that He's allowed us to have and within the talents that He has given us, to serve Him all the days of our life. And number two, to glorify Him in all that we do. That is our reason for existence. That's our reason for living. But the question is, what is the glory of God? There are two aspects to the glory of God. Aspect number one, there's the glory that God has in Himself. For example, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw in a vision the Lord high and lifted up, the Bible says that his train or his robe filled the temple, showing the magnificence and the glory of God. And you remember those six-winged seraphim said, one to another, exclaiming one to another in honor of the Lord, they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In other words, those angelic beings were not giving God glory. They were recognizing that God had it. That is God's intrinsic glory. That means it's the composite of all of his attributes. That is what God possesses naturally. And there's nothing that a man can do to add to or take away from the intrinsic value or intrinsic nature of God's glory. One more quick example, too, of God's intrinsic glory. In John chapter 11, when Jesus waited, you remember, before he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And at the tomb, he finally says, four days later, he said, take away the stone. And Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days, and behold, he already stinketh. And Jesus said, Martha, didn't I tell you if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. In other words, it was the composite of all of his attributes and the attribute going to be displayed was his almighty power. That is the nature that God has. And God gets glory based upon what he has in his intrinsic glory. But secondly, there's glory that is given to him from his creatures. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20 said, Paul said that Christ may be magnified in my body. Now, Paul didn't mean that Jesus Christ is to be improved upon. He meant that in the eyes of the world, Jesus Christ needs to be exalted through Him. And that must be the aim and the purpose of every bit of our life, all of us that try to serve God. One more passage along this line, though. Jesus set the example in John chapter 8 and verse 50, when Jesus said, I seek not mine own glory, but the glory of Him that sent me. In other words, I live to bring Him glory. I live to radiate His attributes. I live to adorn the doctrine of God. I live to exalt God and honor God in the eyes of the world. That is the purpose of my life. Well, for tonight, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about three practical ways that we can glorify God in our life. Number one, we glorify God when we confess our sins. You know, maybe you've not thought about that. Maybe you've not thought about the fact that you glory God, glorify God when you confess your sins. But when you confess sin, you really do glorify God. Do you remember the thief on the cross? Jesus being crucified between those two malefactors? And one of them said that Jesus, if you are who you say you are, why don't you save yourself and us? The other one said in Luke 23 and 41, we indeed suffer justly. In other words, when you confess your sins to God, you glorify God because you're telling God it is all your fault. It is my fault when I sin. I accept full responsibility for my sins. God is never at fault. You know, some say today, you know, yeah, it's my sin. But these were the extenuating circumstances beyond my control. These are the things that led to my demise. So really, it wasn't totally my fault some have even tried to blame God but Nehemiah 9 and 33 says thou art just in all that is brought upon us God is not responsible for your sin nor for mine and when we admit that God gets the glory but let me give you a passage in first John chapter one and verse nine Very encouraging passage regarding our sins and regarding forgiveness. And John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, confession of the Bible is not reluctant admission. It's not, they got me dead to rights, I have no choice. I have no other way out. I've got to make this problem go away, so I'll just quickly make a confession and make it go away. May I also say tonight that confession without repentance is meaningless. Confession without repentance does us no good at all. You know, when I was a young boy growing up, it's amazing how many things my father said to me that I thought were really well. I thought we were out of line at the time. I'll, I'll admit that. I remember when I would say to my father for things that I would do, I would say, Dad, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And I would stand there with a smile on my face and I would want my dad to say, that's all right, son, I forgive you. My father would one time said when I repeatedly kept doing the same thing over and over, when I finally said I'm sorry, he said, are you really sorry or are you sorry you just got caught? And I thought, what a rotten thing to say to me. How awful. And then he said this, why don't you be sorry before you do it? How about that? Confession of the Bible and confession in this passage literally comes from the Greek word that means to say the same. In other words, when you confess your sins to God, you are literally saying the same thing to God that God says about that sin. God hates that sin. You're saying, I hate that sin too. You know what else you're doing? You're saying, it's my fault. All my fault. That's confession with godly sorrow. That's confession with repentance. And that's the confession that says the same thing about that sin that God says. And God says those sins are forgiven. Confession glorifies God. Number two, we glorify God also when we trust Him. We need to trust God more than just with our lips and just by the things in which we say. We're either going to submit ourselves to God and our life to God and put our life in His hands in both time or eternity or we're not. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 20 it says Abraham was strong in faith giving glory to God. God is glorified when we trust him. But understand this unbelief questions God. The Bible says that my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. Now I understand that sometimes we have things that are very difficult in our life. When you go through something that is very difficult in your life and everybody that is looking at your life and looking at your example and they know that you have faith and you're not wavering at all and you put all of your trust in in your faith in God the whole world sees it and God gets the glory on the other hand if the world sees the opposite then God is made a liar first John chapter 5 and 10 says he that believeth not makes God a liar Now you don't really make God a liar in his nature, but you make him a liar or appear to be a liar, or in essence you accuse him as such. But you know, faith problems are nothing new. If we look to the New Testament in the days that Jesus walked on the face of the earth with his disciples, I've counted at least five times that Jesus said to his disciples, O ye of little faith. You know, they it wasn't they didn't have any faith it's that they had little weak faith they didn't have great enough faith and there's a difference and there's a difference in your life too. little faith is trusting in God because you see what God has already done for example I've got a roof over my head you see I got faith God provides I have food on my table you see I got faith God provides I've got a car in my driveway you see I have faith God provides Yeah, big deal. Little faith is trusting God because you see what he's already done. But great faith is trusting God when you've got nothing in your hand. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. Faith and trust in God. And when you trust God like that, you glorify him. As one man said, God honors faith because faith honors God. But finally, we glorify God when we bear fruit in our life. Bearing fruit in our life is imperative. Now, it is true that we praise God with our lips. In fact, that is something that we must do. God is worthy of our praise in every way, and we do praise Him with our lips. But praising God with our lips is not enough. We must bear fruit. And let me make this point about praising God with your lips. We're talking about the verbalizing of God's wonderful works. Psalm 50 and 23 says, Whoso offers praise glorifies me. I said all this to say this. Let's make sure that the words that we say have meaning. You can have good words, and good words can become vain without meaning. Let me give you an example. I was talking to a guy one time for about 10 minutes. He was a self-proclaimed pastor of some sort. And every time I said something, he would say either amen or praise God. He would say the words praise God. Praising God is a wonderful thing. But just because you say the words, it doesn't mean you're actually praising God. So, I would say something, he would say the words, praise God. I would say something else, and he would say, amen. And after about 10 minutes, I had enough, and I said, well, i got to go. I'm going to go have some lunch. You know what he said? Amen. I thought, seriously, you're going to amen lunch? Make sure that the words are not aimless and without meaning. We need to glorify God, though, by bearing fruit in our life. John 15 and 8 says, remember this, In this is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. Now, what is that? Why is that? It's then that the world can see the results of a God-filled life. The reason that people sometimes have trouble with defining our God is because they can't see enough in us. There was a German philosopher one time that said this, You show me your redeemed life, and I might believe in your Redeemer. God is honored when we bear fruit. Philippians 1, 10 and 11, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now here's the sad contrast. Here's the flip side to that. Romans 2 and 24, let it never be said these words of us, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you let it never be that because of our behavior whoever you are young person old person in between person it doesn't matter let it never be that in our life because of our behavior that the name of God is blasphemed because of us that's very tragic well we glorify god when we demonstrate that in good works so much more i'd like to say but i'm going to wrap my remarks up with this there's something else that's very important folks when you talk about bearing fruit and you talk about works and that's your attitude your attitude is everything your attitude is the aroma of your heart It is the mindset. It's all about attitude. Never underestimate the importance of a good, positive attitude. For example, you got two guys right there. One says I can, the other says I can't. Guess what? You're both right. That's fact. You're both right. Attitudes and deeds glorify God. Our attitude needs to be that the church is the greatest thing that a person will ever be a member of or a part of in all their life. I'm going to tell you something right now. God's people are not perfect, perfect, but I'll tell you, the greatest people in the world are God's people. That's a fact. The greatest thing you will ever be a member of is the Lord's church. We need to have the mindset and the attitude. It's the greatest thing we'll ever be a part of and be enthused and excited about the greatest story ever told and preach the gospel to the world with the attitude that people want. it. If our attitude is it's all gone to the dogs... There's no more good. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to do what's right. There are just a few of us left over here in the corner. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We will save no one. Let's get enthused and excited about the greatest story ever told. What does God want for your life? Here it is. God wants you to glorify Him with your life so you can enjoy Him forever. Be encouraged moving forward. Glorify God in all that you do and I'll tell you something we can get to heaven and let's be determined to take as many people with us as we possibly can